Alrighty, welcome everyone back to the Sober Minded Podcast for episode five, I believe. Yep. yep. We're gonna be touching on truth, and we're gonna. Uh, this will be kind of a preliminary, and we'll tie into. We'll go deeper into that topic next week as well. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we've kind of got a baseline of what we kind of want to touch on today, and then we actually kind of want to introduce somebody else onto the podcast for next week. Um, but we kind of just want to give a baseline of, you know, what, what we believe truth to be and what truth is, um, and how it works kind of in our daily lives and our, in our world today. Yeah. Yes. Let's start with prayer. Dear God, thank you for another week. Uh, thank you for all that you do for us. Um, this, our blessings, the opportunities you give us, uh, help us to never lose sight of that. Um, yeah, thank you for getting us through another week safely Thank you for the opportunity of this podcast in the ministry. I pray that you would speak through us, uh, give us the words to say, uh, help us to uh, speak speak truth and uh, speak what needs to be said. Dear Lord, uh, thank you, thank you for this opportunity, and thank you for another great Sunday. Um, thank you for everything that you've done, you've done in our lives, and continue to do in our lives. And uh, please just bless this podcast with your word and. And help us speak truth and speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the topic of truth is one that gets brought up a lot in modern culture. I and, would say so. And it's, I would say, it's under attack. I mean, mm-hmm. it has been. It's that mantra of your truth, my truth. You know, that person has their truth. So yep. who am I to speak into their life or speak on that topic that they believe in. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to at least today's society, we have a a very large disconnect from the church and from everybody else. Um, And it's not like it's purposeful. It's, it's just more of, it doesn't get out there as often as it should. So, uh, I mean, personally, I think that truth is probably one of the biggest things that people mess up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a fundamental idea and concept of what is truth, like what is valid. Right. Right. You know, then you you can talk about it from abstracts, Mm -hmm. you know, like theological. Yep. Or, but, but there's also the practical side of it. Like Mm -hmm. if there is no truth, like I said the last time that age old, if there is no truth, is that a truthful statement? Right. There is truthful statements that we can observe in the physical world of the sun rises in the east, sets in the west. That's true. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think it's very funny because you have to come back to those, those observable truths of, Hey, if the sun comes up, you know, where does it come up at? It doesn't come from the north. doesn't come from the south. Um, and that's like, that's pretty much anything you could do with any conversation is, okay, well, if this, if there's no such thing as actual true, then why do you wake up every morning? Or, yeah. you know, why, why are there certain things that happen in your life for a multiple of occasions, you know, if it's not true? Um, like, well, the sun. <laughs> you yeah. see the sun every morning. Why do you see the sun every morning? Because it comes up in the morning. Yeah, truth is a foundation of your life. If if there is no such thing as truth, then 
why do you work? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. why, like you say, get out of bed. Yep. If there is no truth, everything is up for debate and just out there, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to have a structure in your life because there is no there structure. Is no structure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. you know, and I, we're seeing the repercussions of that in our society. I would argue. Yep. Um, you see these people that get disconnected. You mm-hmm. know, they get they feel completely isolated, and you know, you can be there's that happens to people a lot a lot of times. But but I think a big root of that is if you don't have truth, you don't have something to unite you. You yep. don't have something to unite people together right yeah and it's like uh i mean going to a different church um you you look for those things like okay well are they speaking of truth or are they speaking out of the bible truly are they you know are they touching on these subjects as they should be touched on and not completely you know like utterly wrong that those are things that you if you're going to a different church or if you're looking for another church those are things you look for you know yeah yeah, it's a it's a foundation. Yeah, and getting rid of that it causes division, it causes uncertainty. Yep. Because without truth, there's no certainty. Yep. Uh, and that just devolves and goes further and further down, and then you see repercussions of kids, you know, that have this skyrocketing anxiety and suicides, and it's such a bummer to see. Um, but. But it comes back to if there's no truth, they don't have anything guiding them through their life. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like when it comes to um, especially with kids, like you were saying, it it makes it so much harder to grow up when you believe something that's completely wrong. And it turns out, you know, later on down the life, you find out that's it's not true. Like the whole Santa thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with kids believing in Santa but I do know of people that use that as leverage until their kids are, you know, 10, 11, 12, and they use that above Christ um, for, say, hey, this is why we do this as a as a holiday, because Santa, Santa brings our presents and we get to put a tree up. And, uh, well, that's not true because Christ is the reason we do, you know, most everything in our life, but specifically Christmas. Um and I think we do have a problem with little kids in truth, especially. Yeah. And if we expound on that, on that subject, let, let's play out. OK, what's the meaning of setting up this fictional or you could argue historical, but yeah. fictional yeah. character as this yearly tradition? Right. You know, it gets the kids excited, but mm-hmm. but it doesn't have this this long term purpose, mm-hmm. whereas the actual you know, the reason why we celebrate the birth of Christ is this tradition. It's this fact of God came to earth to die for us in our place, that sacrifice so that we can um, be saved through grace. And it's this whole, it's part of this whole story that has this long term that, that can guide you through your life because you now have a, a place in that story yep. of, okay, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm accepted into God's family. I'm accepted into that that kingdom. Now I have a purpose. Yep. I have a meaning to be here. I have mm-hmm. this purpose of perpetuating good yep. and 
and loving and showing the love that I've been shown to others. And, you know, when you when you foster that in your kids, that sets them up. Yep. That sets them up for a successful life and purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because a lot of people, um, <clears throat> especially, let's say, the right side of, of politics, right? They bring up the whole, oh, well, they're not raising their children right or this or that. Well, no, it's realistically because we don't have a whole lot of Jesus in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, when, when a kid is brought up in a church and is learned or has been taught, is learned, <laughs> been taught to love, love themselves as God has loved them, that, that gives you a whole, a whole nother um, appreciation for people mm-hmm. just in general. Yeah. Um, and you look at, well, and I hate to point it out, but you look at kids from the church, most of the time they are more respectful. They are, they're very generous. They are um, willing to help, you know, as opposed to, well, say like kids from a, from an elementary school and not saying that kids can't be this way without, but it's more of a, I want to because I've been taught this more than it is like, oh, well, maybe I should just do it. Um, it's that guidance. Yeah. It, and when you teach that to a kid as an, as an adult, as we're supposed to, um, it, it really helps them just learn those, those proper ways of doing things. Um, learn the proper ways of speaking to people, proper ways of um, viewing Viewing women, especially, um, and friendships, you, you, you don't go into a, a relationship expecting to get something like, uh, let's just say in a relationship, you don't go into a relationship expecting to get just sexual activity or just emotional support out of it. You go in thinking, oh, hey, this is another human being that is um, another follower of Christ that God has called me to. Um, be a part of their life and to help glorify them in their or glorify God in their life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it adds that dynamic, that extra layer mm-hmm. in those relationships where if your whole relationship is built on the sexual side, that's going to fade. That yep. fades pretty dang quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're invested in this person in the long term, if you're invested in their spiritual success in in their physical success, yep. you know, you love them for who they are because God loves you. Yep. God loves them. Mm-hmm. We're called to love that. That sets yourself up for a long term relationship that makes it through the hard times, because when you're just in it for those for those carnal reasons, as yeah. soon as hard times come. Right. It gets really hard to be sticking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so basically just trying to rope it back around. When, when you have those truths that are um, brought to you as, as a child, you kind of, you think about things more, I feel. Um, at least I did. I, I thought of, I thought about pretty much everything I ever did <laughs> going through high school. I tried to. Um, my parents would suggest otherwise. But, you know, there was, there was definitely times where you're like, okay, well, is this really like what God would have me be doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, yeah, that was, a, that was an actual real thought that I had because I knew of who God was and and what he you know what he tried to keep me from and what I kept forcing yeah yep yeah it's those those truths um so we were talking about how we want to open this um 
And I think we'll open it in John 14. So um, why, why should we care about truth as much as, as we do? How, why, why is it so important? Why should it be so important to us? Um, so we'll, we'll open in John 14, um, verse 1. Um, this is Jesus speaking. <clears throat> Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the, uh, the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So right there we see one of the fun foundational there we go. <laughs> uh, gosh darn, uh, truths of our, of our Christian faith of Christ is the only way we get our salvation. But it is also interesting that he claims one of his attributes attributes one of his characteristics is truth yep and that that pursuit of truth is tied closely to the pursuit of god yeah uh, it's tied closely to the wanting of him <laughs> yeah the wanting of the relationship of christ yeah yeah cuz as the ultimate creator he made truth yeah essentially and and that's the one thing especially with truth in in our society that's really hard you really have to know um, is that's our foundation. That's our main foundation is he calls himself truth. Um, so, I mean, whenever you have anything that you're like, I don't know if that's true or not. Well, then you, you know, you can like lean on him. You can kind of rest in what he says in the Bible because you know, everything he's speaking is the truth. Yep. Yeah. That, that guides, that serves as that compass to guide us. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where even if, even if, the Bible doesn't speak on a specific um, modern topic. You can you can find God's heart in relation to that topic, yep. and you can deduct what is what is God's truth. What is what does God's truth have to do and speak on this topic? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's uh, that's where the fine line is drawn in today's society because a lot of people don't want to hear it. Um, they don't they don't want to hear that they're doing something wrong and so they just call it their own truth yeah which um i hate to break it to you but that's not how it works mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah um so now i think chase had a verse yeah so uh this also comes out of john uh the book of john it's just two chapters away uh this is john 16 and i'm starting at verse 12 um this was talking about the disciples grief um and this is kind of leading into their grief turning more into joy. Um, so he speaks to them. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you all into the truth. He will not speak on his own truth. He will only speak on what he hears. And he will tell you that he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is it is from me that he will receive what he or gosh dang it I just failed that whole verse uh 
He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I believe what he's kind of explaining to the disciples there is um, the truth that is coming from him will be made known to them, but they just can't see it yet. Um, that he was speaking on on their grief in that momentary you know, time, and they hadn't really seen the whole picture is kind of what he was trying to explain to them. You do not know what the truth is of the situation yet, but God or Jesus will be showing you the truth because it is from me. Um, and I, I think that's great because that gives us that security in our, our own lives as, uh, well, I'd, for me personally, I have said this before, I will never get into a truthful, a good relationship. Well, I don't know yet. I don't know. I don't know if that's true yet, because I've not been. I haven't been shown that. But I do know one thing: is I can rely on God to show me. Yep. Yeah, and you can rely on His words to guide you into a good relationship. Yeah. You know, and when you approach it from those those truths that He speaks about, you know, like um, the importance of love, you know, the importance mm-hmm. of selflessness. Yeah. Um, those truths guide you towards a good relationship whereas if you weren't if you didn't have those in your mind you could be easily distracted by whatever pops up first yeah and whatever's shiniest first yeah and i think that's uh we kind of touched on that i think that's a lot of um where everybody kind of not necessarily fails but they get into their head like i have to have a relationship now so the first option that comes available to me that's where i'm going um and you know, not that's not wrong, you know. Sometimes, but sometimes it's also, no, you have to wait because I told you you have to wait. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's in God's God's timing. It's the verse. I don't have the reference off the top of my head, but my ways are higher than your ways. You know, God, God. I mean, another um, fundamental truth of. God is outside of time. He created time. Um, speaking from Genesis 1, in yep. the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, in that first day, he's outside of time. He sees the entire picture, yep. whereas we're stuck in this single moment. His ways are higher than ours. He sees how it's all going to play out. We don't. Yep. So even if we think we know what's best for us in that moment, you know, like, mm-hmm. but God, she's so pretty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but... You know, she has some things that maybe she needs to work on. Yeah. Those kind of deals. And don't get me wrong. I've definitely thought that myself. But at the same time, it is true. Like you. Yeah. She maybe she has to have things that she has to work on. Or maybe she's more. uh, Let's say not truthful about what she believes than she actually is. Then God will tell us. I mean, he will show you (laughs) essentially. Um at least in my personal life, that's how it's gone. Yeah, yeah, one way or another. Um, so then I have a few passages from Psalms that reference this. Um, Starting Psalm 25. Um, I'll just start in verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, None of those who wait for you will be ashamed. 
Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been um, from of old. So just tying tying that truth to the pursuit of God, um, you know? Yeah, like we were saying earlier, um, he categorizes himself as the truth. And, uh, and that kind of just makes us as Christians want to pursue him and him only because he is the truth. Yeah. And then in, I have another one in Psalm, Psalm 86. Um, let's start in, let's start in just verse 8. There is no one like you among the gods, little g, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness towards me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Um, so tying all what we've been talking about of God's ways are higher than ours. Mm-hmm. He knows he's he knows it all um, in that pursuit of him, that pursuit of truth that he speaks, where we don't we don't know on our own truth. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, you come into this world and you you have to glean that truth. Yeah. And, well, and it's something my my dad always brought up. Uh, it's it's always the first thing we always do as a, a baby coming into the world is we want and we have this desire and um you know as a kid obviously born into the world you're not gonna obviously know about christ yet um i mean as a baby you're more worried about whenever you're gonna get your your first food or your first milk or whatever um but it is it is true like we do worry as a as a infant coming into the world we only worry about ourselves and that's very um that's very how we're made. I mean, that's the natural order of things coming into this world. Um, but I do believe that it is a want. Um, and I see multiple people, they, they always, they're, they want something. They don't quite know what it is quite yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where you come back to God's word. Like, what is the Bible? It's God's word. Yep. It's God speaking to us. That's where we find that truth. And when you approach your life with that in mind and studying that, you you can see what you should be looking for in your life. Yeah. You know, you see, you see, oh, I should be pursuing a healthy relationship. Yep. I should be pursuing a relationship with God. You know, I mean, that spiritual unity. Mm hmm. Yeah, and and it comes down to, um, like like we've been saying, it comes down to the actual relationship and the the want of the pursuit. Um, just like God tells us that he 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 pursues us, not not only does he choose us, he pursues us. It's 
also the flip side of the coin where we should want to pursue him um, because that that's what we were made to. He was he he was the the way maker of truth. Um, and I think when it comes down to societal issues, um, I think a lot of them spring from the fact that there's not a lot of truth in the world anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we've been speaking about it from a theological standpoint, but let's look at the ramifications on a practical cultural standpoint. When you take away truth and you take away these these foundations, you know, that so say a church that is a good church that's pursuing Christ because mm-hmm. there are bad ones out there, but a good church where you're pursuing you're pursuing fulfilling that image of God in the world, you know, that that gives you a purpose and it unites you to those other fellow Christians, mm-hmm. fellow people around you. Yep. You're united with love for each other and a goal. And it gives you that goal you're working towards. And it's a good goal. Yeah. And um, you can all work together and bring that to light. Yep. But if you tear down that that um, foundation, everyone's scattered. You, get, um, you can get angry at each other because your truth gets in the way of my truth. We yep. don't have a goal we're we're working towards and especially as especially as men we need goals yep. you know yeah and uh it it come i mean coming back to the uh the whole right side left side of of the world i guess cuz i mean in all actuality the it's been made to where the republicans i guess it's not the world of the US um where the republicans are saying they're right and the democrats are saying they're right but they both aren't are, aren't always right, mm-hmm. um, and it's funny too because I see a lot of people on on like the Republican side say, "Oh well, the the relative truth thing is is BS and this and that." And it's like, well, some you're you're using some of that to your advantage too. You just don't know it. Um, you really have to look at. You really have to be vigilant in a lot of the things you do in your life, even as a Republican. <laughs> um, and they just, I don't know, I, I see a lot of stubbornness from both sides, um, but I also see a lot of great people from both sides that they want to they want to pursue what is actually true. And both sides, honestly, I don't I don't like putting myself onto a side um, because I don't think you can truthfully. I don't I don't think you can. I think um, there are certain things you can believe on one side. Yes. Um but as God, like I said in last last week, the denomination thing, um, I don't think God ever called us to be a certain denomination or a certain side uh, on a country that, you know, he didn't really care if we're on a side. He just calls us to follow him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can look at that as the quote unquote relative truth of the right or mm-hmm. of of the church yeah you know we we talk about all oh, those people and their relative truths uh, they they don't know what's going on and meanwhile we bicker over um you know theological topics but that aren't the end-all be-all topics yeah. that yeah. we should be dividing over right and it, it's not exactly the same but it's that same division and yep. it breeds that division yep, yep. and when you don't uh, it's funny because 
I say mediator, but I don't mean it as like a certain person that mediates. I mean more of like if you don't have a, a thing that you can rely on, like, okay, let's just say for the U.S., for example, back in the history, our Constitution was based off of the Bible. Anything that came up in, in our Constitution or in our country, okay, what does it say against the Constitution? That's what they they relied on. And don't get me wrong, I think it should be the Bible. But the Constitution was the one thing that united both the Democrats, which I don't know if they even had necessarily parties at that time. But let's just say for sakes of keeping it simple, that it united the Democrats and the Republicans because both of them could go to the Constitution and say, hey, this is what the Constitution says on this. Okay, mm-hmm. then it's not happening. Or it is happening. That right? was political truth. Yep. And, yeah, that's a great example because that's the importance of that. Just look at how well our country is done with having that political truth. Yep. That governmental truth yep. that stands firm where the wind can be shifting politically. This, you know, this idea becomes popular and ev- not everyone, but it seems like everyone wants it. Right. But if it's going contrary to that foundation, that that truth. Yep. Then it it won't it's not allowed to push us over. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that's something we have to stand on uh, with, especially as Christians within our Christianity. Um, we have to know our foundations of truth. We have to know why we believe certain things that we believe, um, because then you'll just find yourself questioning everything. Um, I've seen it a lot in a bunch of a bunch of people coming out of just like a youth group um, where they didn't necessarily know a, a reason of why they believed a certain thing, but they just in their head they had it. So it, it kind of when you start questioning those things, you actually often will run to um, what I would consider the wrong part of that um, or the non-truth <laughs> as simple as I could put it. Yeah. Yeah. And there is there is merit in weighing weighing that because, OK, like, let's talk about how do you deduct truth from the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where all these splits and denominations come. Um, but that comes from taking a singular verse, plucking it out of its context and saying, OK, we're going to start here and then you build this whole area, this whole belief around this one verse that's taken out of context. That means a different thing. Um, You see, but you see our pillars that, that we need to be tied to as Christians. You see those as themes and you see them repeated over and over throughout the Bible. Right. Just reinforcing those truths. Yep. And um, when you have them in context, you have them repeated over and over it becomes indisputable okay this is what this means yep. this this um is something that is um inarguable yeah um, um not to say you shouldn't debate with people right. you know to to come to that conclusion right. you need to be an advocate for that truth yep um you think you know i again i don't have the reference but paul um uh, paul reasoned with the greeks you know, mm-hmm. he he went and presented his case for truth to people who worshipped, wanting to talk about different ideas. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I mean, honestly, 
there is actually a lot of room for reason within anything because <laughs> um well like i was telling you long uh, not a long time ago but a couple pa- podcasts ago where a christian and an atheist came together they were a- actually able to reason with each other on why they believed the things that they believed and maybe they didn't come to a different conclusion but it was the the um the whole like this is the truth about this situation but i will let you believe what you believe because that's all you've been shown right but let me show you why i believe this is the truth um and that's a very i would say that's a very uh hard uh like what am i trying to say conversation to to do it's a very hard conversation to uh, speak on because a lot of people, like I said, don't believe in truth. So when you bring even the, the word truth up, a lot of people just shut down right there and there. Um, and I think actual people that are actually searching and actually um, questioning a lot of things about life, I think they will kind of open up to, okay, well, maybe this guy has something to say. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, well, maybe this whole Bible thing isn't a, a bad deal. What if I just read it? And then they read it. They read a certain thing that they're going through, maybe in their life currently. And they say, well, how does it touch on my life so well? Well, because it was meant to. That It's supposed to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Bringing it back to that, what's the goal of our dialogue? You know, we want to perpetuate truth. And... Oftentimes, you have to do that through a tactful manner. Yeah. You know, you like you need to be staunch in the truth, but you have to approach someone who has a different view um, with care. Yeah. And with love, because if you beat them over the head with a truth, they'll be unconscious and they won't be able to accept that truth. I do like that idea. You know, I like that. I like that thought. I mean, that is true. I, if you, if you're just trying to pound it into somebody's head, they're n- never going to take it. Yeah. Um, but if you bring up the idea and, and say, Hey, you know, I understand the reason that you don't believe this, you know, you've had a hard life or something, or maybe they've gone through a tough situation with like a coworker or with like an ex spouse um, that's the, that's one big one that I see all the time as an ex spouse. Um, but like, you know, just being able to listen to them and say, Hey, I understand. Like I completely get it. Why don't I tell you about this situation in the Bible that maybe someone else, you know, well, even like what we we're learning on in Acts a couple of weeks ago, um, where the beggar was or not a beggar. She was working for, um, these two men and, I can't remember what city it was. Um, But she was basically a fortune teller for these two men. And that's what she did. She was filled with demons, filled with spirits. And, uh, and, and it's a situation where you could be like, Oh, well I'm out on the streets or I I don't feel like I, I have that connection with, with anything or, or maybe I, I'm on the other side of the coin where I feel like I'm connected to Satan more than I am God. And she even her was was filled with the spirit of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, it was a little bit forcefully, but <laughs> but 
it's the same situation where you could you could not have a relationship at all. You could hate the Lord and he still speak truth into your life and and speak on things in your life. I mean, maybe there's situations in the Bible that he's touched on and you just never even thought about it. Yeah. <clears throat> so are you meaning like approaching it? I, I could be uh, interpreting that wrong, but are you meaning like approaching the truths of the Bible even from a non-Christian stance? As in? Like, like say, the value the value of marriage, you know, the, found, the, the um, institution of marriage, the good that comes from it, you can acknowledge that whether you're a Christian or not. I believe so. You know? I believe yeah. you could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like even with that acknowledgement, a lot of people were like, okay, well, what is, what else does the Bible have to say then? You know, if, it, if that's true, what else? And, um, the problem is, is our, our, on our voice on truth is so skewed nowadays that some people don't even believe that's true. The, yeah. The, uh, the classic marriage that a lot of people don't believe that's true. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, it kind of sucks. <laughs> and let's, you know, let's let's take a look at that. Let's take mm-hmm. a look at how does that pan out? Yeah. Say you get rid of the institution of marriage, traditional biblical marriage, because you say it's outdated. Mm-hmm. You say it it breeds, you know, marital slavery. Yeah. Um, let's let's just say that. So what do you get? You get two people that come together. They have a kid, but they have nothing tying themselves together. Okay, how does that play out in that kid's life? He now, he doesn't, you know, he's not raised in a singular home with two people that love him and each other that want to lift him up and want to lift God up, want to lift each other up. They want to lift everyone up. Yep. In in a biblical good marriage, we're wanting to lift all all of ourselves up. Yep. We're wanting to lift all of ourselves up in in Christ. Right. Get rid of that. What do you get? You get a kid that goes and hangs out with his mom sometimes, goes and hangs out with his dad sometimes. They're both telling him two different stories. Um, how does that set up the, the kid for success? Statistically, he's set up for a way harder time in life. Yep. You know? Um because who's who's teaching him those values? Because again, this is another truth that's under attack: the difference between a man and a woman. We are two different beings, and we approach life from two different ways. Yep. This is a general statement, but it's generally true. Men approach life from a more reasoning standpoint, which you often have to in our lives. Yep. Women tend to approach it with a more emotional standpoint. Does that mean one is better than the other? No. If you're all emotion and no reason, you're going to spiral out of control. If you're all reason and no emotion, you're never going to relate to anybody. Yeah. So you need that coming together. Um, And that is a, that's a truth. That's a fundamental truth. Men and women are different. 
Yep. And is that a bad thing? No, that's a good thing. That means that when I come together with my wife, she brings something something to the table that I don't have. Exactly. So I get to learn. I get yep. to learn and grow together with her. Yep. And I bring something to the table that she doesn't have. Yeah. And we get to we get to learn together. Yep. And we get to become this new being, this new marriage unit right. that has two different experiences come together as one mind. Yep. And that that is good because you have now you have that one mind with those two wisdoms speaking into that child. That child gets um, a more a more nuanced view of life. Yeah. You know, they get both sides. Yeah. A, a proper a proper view. <laughs> yeah. Um, a stable. It's more stable mm-hmm. in a person's life that way. Um, I mean, you could always fall back on that, too. I, I feel um I know a few people that have had a rough time with their lives, of course, um, but they always said, "Oh, I could I could fall back on the on the Lord." And yes, please do because mm-hmm. he he has that. He is he is the perfect view or perfect version of what we as as say like a couple would want to be or as a parent would want to be. Mm-hmm. He is that perfect view, and um, he speaks on to many things that. Uh, parents try to speak on like as a man you you are trying to set the image of what a godly man is supposed to be in the household um that's who you are as a as a man that's what you have to do um, that's our job and as a woman you are the example of what a godly woman's supposed to be in a household so um like you said those two differing views a man can't bring the woman's ideas to a family and the woman can't bring a man's ideas to a family. Um, they have to do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it brings it back to God's view on, <clears throat> on marriage. It's two becoming one. Yeah. Yeah. And bringing back your analogy of the constitution. I love that. The, the constitution being the political truth that mm-hmm. ties it together. Okay. Like we can all relate to that because we see, too much of it of this political you know attack on each on each side right but that constitution holding them accountable and keeping them from going too far yep um take that image that appears in your mind apply that to marriage but with the bible and with god's truths being that constitution where okay um i might be way out of line let's bring it back okay oh i need to be in line with the bible here and yep. that keeps me from getting out of line. That keeps her from getting out of line. It keeps us both centered on that. Yep. And like you say, it brings that stability to that child, which when that child is raised in stability, they get to they get to grow and they get to learn more yep. because they're not constantly worried. They yep. don't their mind isn't preoccupied with shoot, like what is dad going to say about mom this week when I go over there and Am I going over there this weekend? You know, when you have that stability, that opens up your mind to to grow and learn in deeper ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, it, it's just really tough. It it really is, especially with the attack on truth. Um, our our major our major truths as as a nation and as a as a Christian have been constantly under attack. I mean, you look at the normalization of gay marriage, the normalization of being a trans person, the normalization of like the drag shows that are happening in California and all these other states. 
um, that is a constant attack on truth because now now it's a normal thing to see a gay couple, right? Mm-hmm. That's a normal thing as of as of as of probably the last ten years. Yeah. Um, and I think it's such a, it's such a weird world because that is not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking out to that, I'm not saying that. Um, as a human, you're not you're not valuable because you are gay. I'm I'm saying more of, I don't I don't love your your sins. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, people do have those proclivities, you mm-hmm. know. Whether because well, me, I'm a I'm a sinner too. Yeah, so we all are, and <laughs> and I don't I don't go around saying I love Chase's selfishness and. You know, let's lift Chase's selfishness up. Yep. You know, it's the same with that homosexuality. That's one of those things that the Bible speaks on and speaks against. Um, And we shouldn't be lifting that up in the same way that we wouldn't be lifting up my selfishness. Yeah. My, my, you know, it was fill in the blank. And how, how do we remedy my you know selfishness is one we are we all know it's right. an easy one we all relate to how do you remedy that go back to the bible how do you counter that with love you know um relating to other people realizing it's not just all about me mm-hmm. so coming back to that stabilizing truth now let's replace that selfishness with that homosexuality you know okay that is that's a sin how do we remedy that right. let's focus on what the bible says you know um, and having that guiding truth can can help us with that. Yeah, and and it comes back to just making Jesus and the Bible the base on what we stand by. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because I mean I've noticed it in my life too. I will go by I, I will go and do things and and not even think about why I'm doing it or why I believe that it's it's okay or you know um, just certain things that I I should have obviously should have looked into a little bit more but going back on him and looking at that and saying well i'm thankful god loves me because man i was an idiot mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just standing on his truths that um we we are truly set free yeah yeah i mean and we all fail every single day no matter where you are yeah you know um yeah it's you know it ties in with this but the the rejection of truth is is very closely tied to the worship of self happiness. Yeah, you know everything is tied back into this. Your happiness is the peak of what you should be pursuing. Yep. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. I've meditated before on the meaning of freedom. Like the def- How would you define freedom? Like true freedom. Uh, um, like, is there such a thing? My conclusion, I could be wrong. This is what I came to, was that freedom is the ability to choose what you will subject yourself to. Yeah. Because, okay, say I want to be free, so I'm not going to tie myself to the Bible. You know, as a Christian, I subject myself to God's truths, to the Bible. Mm-hmm. I happily do so because those are good things to be subject to. Mm-hmm. They guide me. They lead me into a good future. Yeah. But okay, say you reject that. I want to just be happy. Okay. How do you do that? Through, you know, let's say alcoholism. What if what have you become? You've just 
subjected yourself to alcoholism, okay? Say it's through money. Say it's through, through the pursuit of money. You just subjected yourself to money, Yeah. you know? And so by, by getting rid of truth and by raising this pursuit of, of happiness, you know, it, it, we want to pursue happiness through truth, mm-hmm. you know? And that's how you reach that happiness yeah. is by tying yourself to truth. And it leads you, and it sounds counterintuitive, right. you know, it sounds counterintuitive right. that by being selfless, I, I'm not selfish, but you know, it yeah. makes me happy by right. making you happy. It makes me happy yeah. no, by fulfilling, that. by making you happy. It makes me feel fulfilled. Right. Right. Um, my, my, I go off of, of freedom by saying it's not for me anymore. Um, personally, I feel like true spiritual or just true freedom in general is saying these are all things I don't have to worry about anymore. Um, I mean, obviously, you still have to, to think of things, um, but let me let me tie it into like the gym, right? A lot of people use the gym as a self glorification um, or as a way of self glorification. And for me personally, it is more of a. I'm doing this because this is a a really easy time for me to tie my my mind back into the truth um, because it's it really realistically it is a time for myself, but it is also a time for God to be helping my many issues that I have because I'm human. Um, that's the way I use the gym. I tried I tried to make it more about um, time with God than just being at the gym and talking and having mm-hmm. a good time and making my body look the best it can. It's, it's more of like, Oh, well, this is time I have to, um, meditate on the, on the week, meditate on the day. Um, and with everything in my life, I feel like self freedom is being able to give all that up and give it over to God. Um, because he sets us free in that way. I, I feel, um, and I, I hate saying I feel, but that's like a generalization of what I'm trying to say. Um, when it comes to just like with my job and everything, I, when I have that that freedom to not have to worry about things, that is freedom. Because, oh, it might have been a sucky day, but guess what? God's still right there with mm-hmm. me. Um, oh, it might have been, oh, this situation might have been horrible and I didn't speak into it. Oh, guess what? God is telling me, hey, maybe you should next time, but you're not in trouble, you know, um, or just in in general, when it, when you don't have to um, slave away, I, I should say, for things um, like I see people constantly worrying about multiple different things. And and in all honesty, that makes you a slave to your own self, because mm-hmm. for one, there are probably things you don't have to worry about. And for two, if you had God, you don't, he, he, he tells you it's going to be all, all right. Yeah. Um, and you know, even if it's not on this world, all, all right, we know that there's a place in heaven for us. So, um, I, to sum it all up, I feel that freedom is the, um, giving it to God and allowing him to use my life. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily about me at that point anymore. It's more about what can I do for him? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that ties back together with what I said of yeah. subjecting yourself to God. Yep. And that 
that gives you that freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, of uh, of all the things, you you will never be happy in and of yourself. Yeah. Whenever you just just think of all these rich people, say, okay, I just need enough money. Say say you've made money your goal, your freedom you're pursuing. I want to be financially free. Okay, you get a hundred k, and then you buy. Uh, an eighty-five thousand dollar pickup, and then you have a eight hundred thousand dollar home, and then oh well, shoot! Now I need to bank more money to cover my payments, and then and then you make more and more, and oh well, you know, like that yacht sure looks nice. That would make me happy, and then you get that, and man, that bigger yacht would sure make me look yeah, happy, b- yeah. make me happy. And um, you you won't be ever fulfilled. Yep. It is interesting. You look at oftentimes, oftentimes these rich people they will come out and say like i made it to the top of the mountain and what like i'm not fulfilled yep you know but whereas when you when you find that freedom in christ he's already he already loves you no matter what yep he's already he's already paved the way for you you know yeah um and kind of like what i was trying to um touch on a little bit it's that self glorification of or i guess self fulfillment um where, you know, if if you're doing if you're doing everything for God, you don't need that fulfillment. He gives it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to be buying a yacht every two years because the one that I have is just fine, right? Yeah. Or well, not a yacht, but or I don't need to be buying a new a brand new car. I see this all the time: a brand new car every year because they released a new model, or yeah. a brand new phone every year um, because the one that I have works just fine. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just it's that um, I, I tried to explain it a little bit better, but it's that not worrying about the new because you already have the fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that that's the freedom. Um, that's the, the actual freedom that comes from Christ is you. You don't have to do those things for yourself. Yeah, it, it's almost a. F- it's almost a flipping of the whole equation where where you already find that fulfillment and all these other things are byproducts of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I've already found love through Christ. I've already found acceptance, you know, but I want to pursue. I want to pursue him. Yep. So I'm going to shape my life after what he wants. I suppose it's totally flipped like with a with a selfish, you know, worship of I have to do all these things and then I'll be fulfilled and yep. I keep working, but it just keeps getting pushed out and pushed yep. out. It's that flipping that of that equation. And that's where that's where you find happiness and you find that rest. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's always easy. It's obviously not. No. You know, no. but you do have that that standpoint, like I said, that you could always fall back on. Well, God is right there with me. God has mm-hmm. been through this. God is, you know, because he has he's had his own hardships or, you know. Just in in his general life, in Jesus's general life, I, you know, that they are the same. But in Jesus's life, he has been through his own hardships. He's been through having to work. He's been through, um, well, dying on the cross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's been through, he's been through these things, um, and he's made the greatest sacrifice for us, so that we don't have to in general we don't have to sacrifice um because he just doesn't call us to it anymore um like so self 
gratification is the big thing that a lot of people ask me about because I'm a big gym guy and uh, it's it's not that it's more of I'm I'm proud to be here I don't know really how to explain it but it's more of like I'm here because it is a good self-reflection it is a good okay well did I think of this certain time all day today and did that ruin my day Um, and the gym kind of lets me use that energy in more of a productive way um, than say if I just go home and don't think about it and play video games and stuff like that the gym is more of I'm kind of forced to like think and use that energy for something good um, and and connect with Christ about his his um, his way of thinking because sometimes his way of thinking is completely different than mine and I'm and I need to I need to reflect on that I need to think on that and I use the gym personally as that it's not more of a not not more of a self-gratification I would say Mm -hmm. the gym isn't your goal yeah it's it's a byproduct it's a step yeah it's part of part of the reason that I'm a part of Christ Mm -hmm. um put it simply at least because that that could be taken way out of context but um yeah, it is, like you said, a byproduct. Um, it's another. It's another way I can connect to Christ. Mm-hmm. That that's sort of your meditation time. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. 